Hello everybody and welcome to the Real Ill Show, where we keep it real for you. Yeah. I think it goes without question that this year has been different. And I'm not gonna overuse the already overused terms such as unprecedented times or the new normal or whatever. But instead, today we chose to speak about the effects of the pandemic on our minds. How how does this change of circumstances affect our minds? And can we understand our minds and what affects them in order to come out on top or feel happier? Today we have a guest, a special guest, that because we are not... Our expertise is probably kind of limited towards bro science stuff, like working out and computer stuff. So not kind of, it's only <laughs> limited to that. It's pretty much, yeah. Our, our expertise <laughs> is pretty much limited to... Bro, meat, meathead, bro, science and knucklehead science, knucklehead science and computer science. That's what we specialize in, and that's why we wanted to reach out to people that are smarter than us to come on the show and talk to us. So, presenting our next, oh, sorry, our current guest on the show is Gabby. And Gabby, I'm I'm going to save you my cringe introduction that I'll come up with on the spot, and I'll let you say something about yourself. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. Yes, I'm Abby, and I am a psychology student. Um, I'm very interested in the human psychology and how people develop and deal with stressful situations. So I think that this topic is very close to me and very interesting to talk about because many people uh, have been affected from this pandemic. Even even people that might not have um, uh, might not have um, traumatic experiences uh, during during the pandemic, even they have been affected in some way, in any way. So when you say a stressful situation, would you say that the pandemic has been overall a stressful situation? Well, for most people, I think yes, because um, not only the economic has been breaking down for many countries, um, but also the stress, the living in fear uh, that you might you might become contaminated with something that you don't understand, you know, the the coronavirus that is. And this is a very stressful thing for you and for your family, and especially with the, with the close downs, you know. You have to live uh you have to live in this small space and not go out and be afraid that you might uh contaminate your friends or family and this is a very stressful experience for someone who has never lived through something like this. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a novel... I think we're probably the first generation that... I mean, there's been ge- lots of de- generations before us went through hardships and for world events that were hurt. But I think this is a, the, the most unique experience that's ever happened because it's, it's not a war going on. It's not like a plague, like the Black Plague. But it's sort of... 
it's it's stressful it's not as hard as things that people went through in the past but it's it's a very unique thing and i don't think we were prepared for it because uh, yeah like obviously nobody expected that the the next disaster will go through the the best thing we could do is stay at home but like you said i think there's been a different array of of emotions and situations like unknown and then like living in not knowing what's going to happen to you not not understanding the disease and then suddenly you have to live in a confined space so how would you say okay so let's start let's start with like breaking it down so first it was before it hit before the lockdown started before masks started being mandatory and whatever it was kind of an unknown thing so when it was that in that phase how do you think people's minds get affected when there's something they don't really know about yet they don't fully understand but they know they kind of have to be afraid of it so i know that at the beginning loads of people took it like lightheartedly and people are like making memes and whatever until it got close to them until like at first it was just china right and then it started crawling closer to america to europe um so the yeah. fear got more real so how do you think the human mind reacts when there's something unknown and it's far away and then how did how how was the difference when that thing gets closer to you yeah well uh we're not to say that um the in the past that they had uh, like a more stressful situation than this one is because in the past you know as you said they had the plague and not only the plague but uh, i think the spanish flu as well and uh, this was like generations ago but uh, people lived through similar times and i think uh, it was uh, very different for them i'm not to say like uh, more stressful or anything but different that is because they didn't have phones let's say they they couldn't uh, text or message or video chat with their friends and uh, family that don't live in their own house so it's uh it's been done before you know like this pandemic that we live through it's not to say the worst thing that ever happened to humanity and um of course beforehand before you are fully um fully aware that what is going to happen in the future you might uh, have some stress about it or anxiety about it and um even even when it was still in china and people then make made memes as you said um that is not to say that people weren't stressed already because well Still, we didn't know if it was going to spread, but the possibility of it made it stressful enough. And having to see uh, how it happens in China, and we, in our minds, think, oh my God, what if it happens here as well? And it did happen here as well, and, it, and it's still happening to this day. And mm, people have been... Uh, taught themselves uh, to coping mechanisms. and. It is very, uh, it makes a very big difference as to whether you have a positive coping mechanism or a negative coping what, what, mechanism. What is a, what is a coping mechanism? 
a coping mechanism is uh, how you know how people react, react differently in stressful situations and the way you react to this stressful situation might be you know uh, positive or negative as an example a positive uh, coping mechanism might be you know meditating or reading or as uh, as you do you know uh, work out um weightlifting and things uh, go out with your dog or go i don't know go for a walk on your own you don't have to you know meet people and this these are some uh positive um positive responses to stressful situations or you know do, do your hobbies um and i don't know maybe uh, socialize uh, on your on your phone uh, with friends and and these are positive coping mechanisms which um uh, studies have uh, found to make better psych uh, health, uh, mental health. Yeah, and uh, as an example of negative um, coping mechanisms, this might be uh, to act violently towards your family. You know, when you're stuck at home with them, or yell at them, or or act uh, um, viciously towards yourself. You know overeating or not eat at all for long periods of times these are all um negative coping mechanisms or smoking drinking excessively uh, driving fast when you're in your car pacing up and down biting your fingernails you know stuff like this are negative coping mechanisms and uh, as i said surveys and uh, studies found out that uh, these make huge differences towards how people um see the pandemic and uh, how they how the pandemic affects them people with more positive coping mechanisms tend to do very well much and much better than those with negative coping mechanisms but you know uh, a person often doesn't know how to know these mechanisms by themselves and so uh, this is the work of a uh, you know psychologists and um, coaches to to help people go through these tough times and understand understand themselves better and how to how to change the negative to a positive. Mm -hmm. So, do you think um, people are aware? Or so, do you think people when they go about when they have a negative or a positive coping mechanism, are they aware? So, are they aware? whatever they're doing is being is hurting them more are they are they aware if whatever they're doing is helping them more if someone's having a negative coping mechanism and they're overeating or they're being aggressive or they're just smoking or they're just just doing unhealthy stuff for their body and for their mind do you feel do you think that they're aware that whatever they're doing is actually making it worse for them or do you think they think that's the that's their way to deal with things and they get like a, a little moment of bliss at the moment but then it never really helps because i'm trying to understand because if 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 you can do something that's helping you cope with this stressful situation like a pandemic um and if if whatever you're doing doesn't really help you are you actually aware like if you're sorry let me rephrase it. If you're aware that whatever you're doing is actually negative for you, why would you keep doing it? What makes people 
go back to those negative coping mechanisms? What makes them go back to doing those habits every day or maybe not every day, but for like a prolonged period of time and they keep falling back to it? Yeah. Well, uh, here's the difference between um, between the working mechanism and the not working one. The not working one is a short term a, a short term mechanism. You know, as, like drinking, you can drink and feel okay for a moment or for for a couple of hours, and then on the next day you feel shitty again. And this is the big difference between between positive and negative. Um, coping mechanisms uh, the positive ones work in the long term and the negative ones work just for a few minutes a few hours and or a few days um people the it is easier this is this is the answer it is it is much easier for people to uh, fall into negative coping mechanisms um because they're not taught otherwise you know, uh, many people don't have uh, the uh, emotional intelligence and they're not taught the emotional intelligence that's needed to be taught, I think, for everyone. And they can't reach these answers by themselves. So the first thing that comes to mind is the easiest one. And it's much harder to sit down and meditate, to calm your mind, to dig deeper into your fears. It is much easier to just go and get drunk or to overeat or to fall into meaningless uh, affairs so this is this is uh, the answer this is why people tend to go back to these negative coping mechanisms because they're much easier yeah they're easier and they give you a little instant instant release instant moment of happiness and you feel good yeah so how can someone work towards a, a positive coping mechanism how can they work for something that's a bit harder to do at the moment because you know what like if i think about it it's hard work for me let's say i want to go out and, and get a workout right now it, it's cold outside it's dark it's 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 a bit rainy and whatever but i can just chill at home and smoke a joint and you know just go to sleep that's much easier how can i get awareness and well, maybe not willpower yeah. but how can I be aware that whatever if I choose if I go for the harder option I'll feel much better in a very different way than I'll feel if I'm high or if I'm drunk or whatever if I just eat four pizzas on my own yeah well the problem is the comfort zone people tend to not get out of their comfort zone very much and they're afraid to do it because they're afraid of the unknown the the fear of the unknown is one of the greatest fears in the society and when someone is afraid that they don't know what is going to happen if they uh stop sticking to their negative routines they they tend not to try the positive ones and unless unless something really bad happens most people don't don't even think about changing their ways even if they're not helping even if they're hurting themselves and if they're hurting the people around them so uh, here, here we talk about motivation. Now, um, it's it's the the motivation to find um, to find the motivation to change your ways. And most of the times, people don't find this motivation in themselves. They uh, mostly find it in uh, things that are outside of them. 
let's say a spouse, let's say they fell in love with someone and they want to be better for them. It's very rare that uh, that someone wants to be better for themselves. And this is the this is the thing that is it's not taught a lot uh, in um, in people from uh, younger ages. And I think it's a great miss because people need to understand that they're the most important person for themselves and they have to feel good about themselves first so that to feel everybody else feel good when they're in their company. So um, motivation, yes. You need to find that motivation uh, that drives you to want to change your ways, your negative ways into positive ways. And the the best thing is to find it in yourself. But if you can't find it in yourself, maybe find it. Uh, maybe try to find it in in the outside world. Maybe you need you want to start a family. Maybe you need to you know uh, be healthy for your family so that you can support it for the longest time. And uh, motivation is a very hard thing, as I said. But once you start, uh, actually, the, the the thing is that um, you need to start. This is the the key to motivation. You need to do the first step. This is the hardest step, the first one. And scheduling, actually, scheduling is um, the the cheat sheet for motivation. Uh, if you if you schedule, um, let's say before you go to bed, if you if you make a plan for the next day, you're most probably going to follow at least half of it, and. This is a, a very good, um, how to say it? This is a, a the difference between you know professionals and amateurs. Um, professionals set, set a schedule and stick to it, and amateurs wait until they feel inspired or motivated. Yeah, and, that's. Um, I actually, yeah. that, that I actually remember. I I read this very interesting article a, a while ago. There was about motivation, and there was so in terms of like taking action about something. Let's say taking action about doing anything that you could you could deem as a positive thing or like whatever any activity and i read this article that described the psycho going as three parts so first is inspiration so it's it's like a flow first is inspiration then motivation and then action so you get inspired by something like let's say um i my inspiration is i watch uh, a video of someone lifting a very heavy weight my motivation is, all right, I want to be able to lift that weight with that technique that the guy does it. And then my action would be, I'll go in the gym and train. So the interesting thing about that cycle that I read was that you don't necessarily need to follow the cycle in its exact steps. So sometimes you should start with the action and then motivation and inspiration will come after the action. So I think that kind of resonates with what you just said, that if you schedule whatever you want to do and you stick to your schedule, even if you're not motivated or inspired, if you do the action itself, that would take, that would spark some inspiration and by itself motivation and then that will put you in the track. Uh, I also agree with that. Um, I often have people come to me and ask me, um, how do I get started in, in working out? How do I do this? How do I do that? And as cliche as it could sound, I always say like just just do it, just just start doing ain't, it. Ain't nothing to it but to do it. Ain't nothing to it but to do it. Exactly. Um, and <clears throat> because the thing is, a lot of people live in their heads, and for some reason uh, they think that 
they have to have uh, an inner drive in order to do anything. Like, for example, <clears throat> if I ask you, like, you want to watch a movie? You got to check with yourself whether you want to watch a movie, you know? So we do these inner conversations with ourselves. For example, you know you have to work out, but you, you're like, wait, do I want to work out? Do I feel like working out right now? And as soon as you ask that question, you've lost the battle, probably. Yeah. Because most likely you're going to bitch out and you're going to be like, ah, maybe I'll postpone it, maybe tomorrow, maybe next week or whatever. We've all been there. We've all done that. We're still currently doing it. So yeah. the, the thing I realized is you just got to shut up and cut off that conversation. You need to just be like, work out 9 p.m. and go for it. That's it. That's as you said, that you have to keep a schedule. A schedule is king, you know. And as soon as you check, as soon as you work with the schedule and not with your inner feelings, whether you want to do it or not do it or whatever, as long as it's consistent with what you really want to do, right? Keeping to a schedule is way easier, really, than asking yourself every time, oh, am I ready to work out? Do I want to work out? Stuff like that. And the other thing is, like, it doesn't have to be perfect every time. I mean, for example, if if you if you don't feel like working out, it's both an opportunity to work out when you're in your weakest state, so to speak, or when you don't want to do it. Check it. Check how you feel. See how it is. I often find that as soon as I get out the door, as soon as I start walking towards the park, I'm already in the mood to work out. You know, even though right. I didn't want to get out of the house. Right. You know. But here, here's something that um, I always took for granted. So we've built up these habits and this routine for a long ass time. We've been, we, I'm saying about like an example for working out, but it could be for anything. So what I'm interested to know is if you've built up the habit and you already went through the struggles at, at the beginning, when you struggle with motivation and you struggle with getting out the door or getting up and sitting in front of your desk and maybe picking up a new book or a new skill or trying to learn something new, you you went through the struggles initially and then you build up a habit and it carries on but that's very alien to tell someone who's struggling a lot to start something new who or maybe someone who's struggling a lot to start a new to start a schedule and follow it so what would be the way if you're if you're in a position when you're struggling to get motivated about anything and maybe you make a schedule but then you wake up the next day and you still got your schedule, but you're like, you know what, I'm just going to stay in bed for a few more hours. I'm just going to take a nap. Then you wake up and you're like, you know what, I'm just going to watch some Netflix for a couple of hours. And then the day's gone. And then you kind of feel shit because you made a promise to yourself that you didn't really came through with. So yeah. So that's for me. Like I've, I've, I consider myself a pretty motivated guy when it comes to stuff. But it took a lot of struggle for me to, to be able to build up habits of okay, now it's time for work. Now it's time to learn something new. Now it's time to work on whatever. Now it's time to be focused on something. So how would you, from 
I don't know, from like a, not even a motivational standpoint, from a psychological standpoint, are there like any tricks or any tips you can give to someone who's not really built up the habit yet? They, they're not really, they haven't really gone through the experience of building habits and, and following schedules, but they just want to start out. What, what would be your advice? Yeah, well, finding something, simply put, finding something that you love. Something that you love might make you do miracles. And if you love yourself, if you love your family, if you love your life, if you want to, if you love your future, if you want to build a good future for yourself, you will get yourself motivated. If there is one thing you love, stick to this thing. Maybe you're an artist. Maybe you love photography. Maybe you love drawing. Maybe you love painting, singing, playing an instrument or something. Just find something that you love and keep um, keep to it. I mean, uh, like, uh, follow it. Follow your desires and your passion and your love because passion is like love and passion are the greatest motiva- uh, things that can mo- can motivate you. And again, in the in the pandemic, people have a lot of time for their for for themselves and for their um for their passions and for their um for the things they love and they have a lot of time to schedule you can't tell me you know like um you have all this time on your hands and you just are and you're just going to sit around all day and do nothing this might be um you know another situation that you're not um your psychological thinking you know is not a very healthy one and you might be even depressed and this is another thing you might you might have you know anxiety or um you're stressed about a lot of things and have fallen into depression and this is a a whole different thing you know uh if if this is the case you surely need you surely need uh um professional help and it would be very hard to motivate to motivate yourself on your own and my suggestion if this is the case you know if depression is the case that you should visit a, a psychologist a therapist you know to help you with this but if you're in your healthy mind and you're just procrastinating just a little too too much then just find something you love schedule what the plan for the next day and just stick to it this is this is the best the best thing you can do for yourself i like the advice a lot find find something that you love that's yeah yeah, that's simple simple yeah simple and powerful yeah uh i can offer another angle to the whole uh passion thing so usually i think most people are in a situation where um, they want to do something. Uh, um, I'm going to stick to the workout example because um, we're midheads. Because uh, we're midheads, yeah. So let's say somebody wants to start working out, and um, that's a that's a genuine feeling, all right. So that feeling of wanting to better yourself physically is a genuine emotion. Now the thing is, if you go ahead and tell that person, you know, just find your passion it's not as easy as just trying the first thing and it clicks you know usually people will go through a lot of things before 
that thing clicks, right? So how do you know, right, when to give up the thing? And uh, for example, let's say you want to work out and you start doing Taekwondo. I don't know why, maybe your best friend does it and he told you, come work out with me and do uh, start uh, uh, training in Taekwondo. And uh, you start training in Taekwondo, but what happens is you don't like it. How long do you stick to it? Usually, I have like a rule when I start something where, I, where I'm a beginner, right? I usually keep at it for at least three weeks consistently. If I consistently have this feeling that I don't like it, I either switch it up, maybe change the instructor, maybe change the uh, the material I'm, I'm learning from, or change something, but not necessarily give up on the thing, right? Because um, you might be very genuinely interested in this thing that you're learning about, but you haven't met the right coach, the right teacher, maybe the right learning material. So you don't necessarily want to give up too easy, right? And this feeling of falling in love in some, uh, with something, uh, a sport, for example, might come later on. I remember when I started doing calisthenics that it took me uh, maybe three months before I started thinking like this is a thing for me. Because I, I, initially I started going to the gym. I didn't like that. Then I did some other stuff. But that thing clicked right about the three-month mark. It was if I if I gave up prior to that, that would have been the end of it. But I love doing it. I still do it ten years later. Uh, so <clears throat> following your passion is a great advice. Uh, I totally can get behind it. The thing is also to have uh, some patience with it because things that are worth it don't really come as easily as you think. Sometimes they click right away. Sometimes it takes a while. So definitely give it some time, you know. And also, as uh, you asked, um, uh, do you have a trick? Because we kind of have this habit of working out. Um, the, the thing with that is, um, like, yes, we do have the habit, but we both know that, ev well, not every time, but we do have these workouts where we, just don't want to get out of the house or you just don't want to get out of the bed you know we have them even 10 years later we still do and uh, it's easier to beat that feeling because you you beat that uh, feeling over and over again right but um what i always do is do one small thing right so for example if i'm i'm currently uh, learning a technology that i'm going to use uh in a, in a couple of months. And I don't know that technology, I'm a complete beginner in it. I don't like it, uh, but I need it. I need to learn it be, so I can do the thing I actually like, right? So I'm looking at it and I have these days where I don't wanna, I don't wanna study. I don't wanna learn. I don't wanna do the exercises. I do one small thing. Like instead of like sitting for two hours and studying, I'll just, tell myself, you know what, I'll sit down for 15 minutes. And if I don't want to do it anymore, I'll get out of there, you know, and I usually find myself uh, after sticking after the sticking to it after those 15 minutes, I usually find myself studying an hour, an hour and a half straight, you know, 
So uh, I I usually tell myself, I trick myself to ju just do one one thing, one very small thing, and then get the ball rolling, right? That yeah. That's kind of my trick when it comes to things that you, you need to be disciplined about and you need to stick to your schedule and stuff. Yeah, well, um, you said it yourself, one small thing. And this is also a psychological thing, a psychological um, mechanism that uh, therapists teach their patients that um, when you're procrastinating and you don't have motivation and you don't know what to do about it, just tell yourself, I'm going to read this just one word. I'm going to read just one sentence or, you know, I'm going to do this one small step and usually this is the thing that um is enough to to get you to do it more often and more consistently and do it uh with more frequency you know just do one this one small thing and it it starts uh growing bigger and bigger um because it becomes a habit that that's the thing that you you said earlier that uh it's already a habit for you to to uh work out um and that's the thing even if you uh, don't have the motivation to do it it's already a habit and a habit is uh, hardly broken and uh if you do these one, these small things each and every day you it they become they they become a habit and when they become a habit, you, you find the motivation much easier. And also, uh, people tend to forget what why they started doing something uh, that they love. And I think that we need to remind ourselves why we started doing this in the first place. You know, uh, if you love uh, working out, just remember why you started working out, why you love to do it, why you love doing it so much. And I think that it's just this small thing that people keep on forgetting because it, it became a habit. And we need to remind, remind ourselves every day why we started doing the things that we love to do. That's another, yeah, right that's another I never actually thought about it. Yeah, that's another simple yet very powerful, powerful approach to things. Yeah. So we've talked and, about, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, that. No, go ahead okay uh no i was i was about to change topic it's not like you like you have something else to say uh no i was uh going to talk about that in the pandemic situation we we have a lot of a lot of time to do the things we love and for many people it's actually a good experience um for many introverts that i've been talking about the pandemic they 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 said that they don't find any negatives about it because yeah. Introverts are much different than extroverts. You know, extroverts love um, communicating with people face to face. They they love um, uh, active social activities. While introverts have no problem sitting on their own in their house, spending a whole day or a whole week at their homes in the comfort of their homes, reading, you know, bathing, watching movies, uh, everything that. They, they just have time for their for themselves and well that's not necessarily a good thing because uh introvert introverts tend to fall into anxiety more often usually but um extra, uh, extroverts uh tend to fall into anxiety when they can't um communicate with other human beings for a long period of time so it's the the eff the effects on of the pandemic 
um, are very different for introverts and extroverts, that's which a, is a very that, interesting that, yeah, concept. That's a very good seg. Uh, that's a very good opportunity to answer one of the questions you go ask on Instagram. So this question comes from Victor Kuzov. Thank you, Victor, for your question. Um, and Victor says, "What about introverts who?" So he says, "What about introverts who may think that this pandemic is the best thing that's ever happened?" Because now they don't feel. Oh, that's that's his question. Now this is my interpretation of it. Uh, I'm uh, I'm more of an introvert. I've always been. I mean, I. I'm not saying I'm completely an introvert, but uh, I I would say that sixty five percent of my personality is more introverted. I like I like staying at home and doing stuff at home. So, yeah, like it's very interesting that. I the different people different introverts and extroverts find the pandemic effects very different and that could also be a great opportunity to answer another question which would be how should people that are extroverts deal with deal with the pandemic people that are very used to be in almost uh, in almost every day in contact with other people more often than not in f physically like meeting people outside and going and doing different activities with them so it's changing a lot for for extroverts obviously they they'll have to deal with a bigger change because they're not allowed to meet people anymore they don't meet them as often they, they cannot travel um, for introverts it's kind of like they're they're their own nirvana they can they can just be just chilling out at home and doing whatever they want to do and they don't really have to go out but like you said they're more prone to anxiety so let's talk about the effects on the pandemic on introverts via versus extroverts and what are the, the drawbacks is there any middle ground you can find both as an introvert and an extrovert to make the pandemic easier so if you're an introvert like you said you find more peace and happiness doing things at home and, 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 and doing activities they don't really require you to get out of the house but at the same time you're more easily prone to depression and to anxiety and what about extroverts that are on the other opposite of the spectrum they are used to being outside and meeting people but now they have to stay at home so what are their risks for depression uh, and anxiety and how do you deal with how do you stay out of the depression and anxiety zone as an introvert how do you stay out of it as an extrovert is there any common things between both personality types that can be observed during the pandemic and how it affects their minds yes well i think that as much as it is easier for introverts to live through these times it's also not very healthy for them because their comfort zone is staying inside, not talking to people, spending a lot of time for the, with themselves. At the same time, this is exactly what introverts need to do. Introverts need to learn how to communicate more, more with people, how to connect with people more. And on the other hand, extroverts are used to being around large crowds maybe they don't even have a few close friends but just have a group of um of relative you know not relatives acquaintances and it would be very hard for an extrovert or i think because even you know our uh, generation are not very used to um video chats i think 
even though we have video chats in the comfort of our hands, um, I think we don't use it that often. And one advice I can give extroverts is to find a few people that might be, you know, close friends or even relatives and just video chat with them for maybe an hour a day uh, if they are not able to see them, in, to meet them in person. Uh, and the same advice I can give to introverts because they're having the time of their lives, but that doesn't mean it's healthy for them because when the situation is over and they have to go out in the world again, they're going to be even more detached from society than they were before the pandemic started because this is their comfort. They, they love being alone. They don't like picking up the phone. They don't like talking to people that much. They feel drained and uh, emotionally exhausted when they, um, when they have to communicate with people uh, very often. And they, I think this is a challenge for them because they need to learn to express themselves and to talk to people more often. And I don't think it's a good thing in the long run. This is on the negative coping mechanisms that we talked about. I think um, closing yourself up even more during the pandemic when you're an introvert is a negative coping mechanism. And for for the for the extroverts um i think they're they're going to have the the worst time than <laughs> the worst time than introverts you know but in the long run they're they're going to 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 go out of this situation happier i think because uh when when they're able to meet with friends again and to be in, in the outside world once again they are going to appreciate more what they have what they had and not taking not take it from for granted you know staying out and being around people i think that if if they don't fall into a deep depression during the pandemic and during the close downs i think they're going to go out of it um with the better experience with the better lesson than introverts yeah one of my one of my biggest fears that when the first lockdown hit and suddenly all of my social contacts and travel plans to go and meet my friends were over and I was just I was just spending a long time at home which I, I don't mind because I can find ent entertainment in lots of things that don't require me to leave the house but there was like one point that I was kind of getting concerned that Am I going to be like a caveman coming out of a cave into society after like a month of this? Am I going to be, am I going to like be able to talk to people and have a normal conversation? Or, or am I going to be just this weird guy that just stays in the corner and like looks at his phone because he's just too, too unprepared to talk to people. So I definitely felt that uh, at, at maybe in, in, in London there was, I don't know, maybe four months of solid lockdown. So yeah, the, the first one I was I was having a great time at first. I was, I was like, this is awesome. Like, I, I, I can watch Prison Break again. I can play all these <laughs> games I, like, I wanted to play. Uh, this is sick. This is amazing. I don't know what people complain. But by, by the end of like by the end of the first month, I was just like getting serious concerns about like, am I gonna be able to actually have social interactions like normal? Do I like is this like? It almost feels like I don't know, like you don't do something for a long time and then you're kind of like unprepared to do it. 
But then it also got me thinking, well, would anyone else actually be able to have social conversations and interactions as normal as before? But I guess it would be different for extroverts, as you said. So yeah, I, I definitely understand how how it could be. Uh, you could feel happy and you can go, you can breathe through the entire lockdown. Now all of us uh, <laughs> kids, all of us people that play games all the time now Oh, it's heroic to play video games now because you're saving the world. But at the same time, uh, you need to really think about. Oh, you really need to like maybe spend some effort on working on your extrovert side so you can, you can have a nice time talking to other people when 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 things are over or maybe if they're not completely over. But like, it's maybe you just the restrictions are eased and you can meet some people so it would be it's still i think it's a very valuable skill to be able to to go to a group of people and just have a uh, decent social interactions both for yourself and for others um yes yeah, so um they're actually you know uh, like some some people in the middle uh, in the middle of uh, introverts and extroverts you know they're called ambiverts and uh, it they're in the middle um as long as much as they they love spending time on their own and and um, doing the things that they love by themselves and at home, um, they need to be around people at certain points. And uh, I think it's it's very hard for them as well because they're they 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 shift their minds more often than uh, extroverts and introverts. Extroverts know what they like, you know they they all the all of the time you know it's consistent they they want to be around people and introverts it's consistent with them as well they they want to be in the comfort in the comfort of their home but ambiverts they they just have moments they sometimes they want to be around people and sometimes they want to stay home and i think that it it's um very hard for them as well because you you can determine when when uh, they will you know break down in let's say they want to meet with their friends and their relatives that don't link then they don't live inside their homes but of course uh, objectively staying at home is the the better thing to do and even if you go out um you might go out on your own you know we have walks in the forest or just stroll stroll along the streets um listening to music jogging working out or whatever it is you know it's not to say that you're stuck at home and you're not to go anywhere out um but of course it's the it's the best thing to do staying home and protecting yourself and your family from from the disease from from coronavirus yeah uh, so on the on the subject of staying at home i've got another question on instagram um, and that is how can we how can we cope with if we're stuck at home well not stuck at home but if we're staying at home with someone maybe it's our flatmate or a partner or our sibling or a friend or parents or grandparents whoever you're stuck with at home how do you cope with someone you get to spend suddenly you spend so much more time with at the same house or the same apartment during lockdown how do you think people get affected by that and do you think you you, you kind of get tired of spending so much time with the same person do you 
respect their space more? Do you try to do more things together so you do you feel less lonely? Is there like a good balance to cope with people you're stuck with? Yes, it's it's I think it's probably better to live with someone than to live on your own. Because then you you won't feel this lonely all of the time. But there's a thing that if you live with someone um, twenty, you know, twenty four seven. You you sleep with them. You wake up beside them. You have to. They have to be the only person that you talk you, that you talk talk with all day. And it. I think. Yeah. Of course, it will get frustrating at a, at a certain point. But there are some things, of course, that you can do to avoid getting on your on each other's nerves. And one thing you can do. Is you know, uh, of course, if you don't live in a one-room apartment, you can go just into the other room and have time for your your own needs, your own uh, uh, habits, your your own uh, passions. You know, maybe you maybe you like to draw. Um, go go in, into a free room and just. Make time for yourself, draw a little, listen to music, you know, do all the things that you feel comfortable with on your own without this person interrupting. And of course, conversation is very important. Uh, you need, if you feel pressured, you need to tell them, like, I need some time for myself. You know, don't interrupt me for a certain period of time. And of course, uh, another thing you can do is um, maybe talk to the, talk on the phone with a friend or with a relative, just uh, mix things a little, you know, or find interesting things to do together, you know, as if not to fall into a routine, not to fall into habits, so that you get on your nerves. Because, of course, when you see one person each day, and you start noticing these little details that um, uh, that, uh, that might, uh, might annoy you, um, just, there are small things that you can do to maintain the good spirit in the house if you live with someone. True. These are great points. These are great points. I can vouch for them totally because uh, I live with my girlfriend and we were stuck. Um, should I use the word stuck? Um, I mean, well, so we were stuck together because we both worked at home during the pandemic and are still working at, from home. Um, I have the option to go to the office whenever I want, but she doesn't. So there was this time, I think it was about like a month or two, when um, when we had to both be at home all the time. And uh, it was a big deal until week three, where, as you said, you start knowing, uh, noticing excuse me you start noticing these little things about your partner and they start annoying you so it's uh, very important to establish uh, personal space when you needed to so i would for example when i wanted to focus on my studies or i wanted to uh, work out or i wanted to play my games or whatever or i want to talk to m here uh, i would tell her you know leave me be for like three or four hours don't don't come in the room with, uh, we don't live in a one-room apartment, so we have that luxury. But I, I would tell her, don't come into my room. Let me be. Let me do my de- my things. And then, whatever. We can cook together. Or we're going to take a walk uh, outside or whatever. You know? 
but it, it was very important that I establish those boundaries because I wouldn't say I'm uh, an introvert, but I'm tilting towards the introvert uh, character type. And, uh, and uh, for me, being stuck at home was great for like a month because I could focus on my studies, which are mostly on the computer. So that's great. You know, I could focus on my stuff. But then after a certain point, I started wanting, craving that social contact, craving that getting out of the house feel. And I would uh, start problems in the household because I just couldn't get out of the house because of the virus and the fear and the laws in uh, Bulgaria. And um, it got really rough uh, right about week three or four. So in order to cope with that, I just had to tone it down and tell myself, yo, you, you're, you're bugging. You, you're being mental right now. You need to you need to get it together. So we established a system like, you know, like <clears throat> I'll do this for three hours. Don't bother me. Or I would go around the block just just trolling, you know. So I could get out of the house, little stuff like that. But they go a long way because otherwise you, you can crack. You, you go crazy at the house. Yeah. Well, this is a very good point. The personal space. Yes. You need to have personal, your own personal space. And if it gets invaded too much, especially uh, when you're stuck with someone a whole day, for a whole day and you might feel pressured or anxious and you feel like you don't have your your own thing your your own place and establishing you know interrelationship rules is a very good thing it's a very healthy thing and conversation this is the most important thing in a relationship conversation if you don't have a healthy conversation pattern you're going to kill each other <laughs> during this pandemic and this can be a, a, a good thing to do because you know you you live with that person you might as well uh do some effort make some effort to to get through it together totally totally we are yeah. hitting time flies every time we do this podcast it just goes so quick. Yeah, sure it is. It feels like maybe we should uh, expand it, start expanding to two hours, but when we get more more famous, like Joe Rogan style. <laughs> um, yeah, we've hit we've hit the fifty five minute mark, which is the, the normal length of the podcast. It so it feels um I feel like we can go for another two hours, but I also feel that we covered a lot of fundamental stuff. Uh, for that yeah, one hour. I wanted to cover so much more. <laughs> you should, uh, you should come back for a part two on the podcast. I think we should do a part oh, two. For, for sure, for a sure. A part two of the of how of the pandemic effects on our mind. Yeah, yeah. it feels uh, yeah, it feels uh, shitty to cut it off, but uh, a one hour one hour rule is the one hour rule. Uh, but yeah, hundred percent, you should come back for for a second podcast second episode second part two and the pandemic yeah. effects i think it's it's really interesting i think that in years um people would reference this as case studies in psychology classes the the whole pandemic in the isolation effects 
<laughs> yeah, definitely. Totally this is this is gonna be written down in in the books. I think for sure. I think there there will be case studies on how the coronavirus affected affected our minds and uh, and people in general. But yeah, to to keep it at a, an hour mark, we're we're gonna we're gonna stop there. I think we've covered a, a lot of fundamentals. We managed to answer the the Instagram questions. Thank you so much, Gabby, for coming on the show. It was super fun and insightful to talk to you. And we hope. I was uh, very happy to be involved. Yeah, it was great, uh, and we hope we definitely hope to to talk to you about this or anything else in the future. You've you've got the real stamp of approval. <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much. <laughs> and uh, yeah, thanks thanks for everyone that listened. Um, hit us up. We have a uh, an, an our own Instagram account now for the show, so we don't need to spam it from our personal account, even though we still spam it. But yeah, follow us on the Real Ill Show with dots in between to keep up with the latest episodes. Uh, we'll also be expanding our reach to YouTube. If you prefer listening to podcasts on YouTube, you can, you'll can you be able to find us there soon too. We'll be taking care of that. And as always, thank you so much for your ongoing support. Like I said, it's cheesy to say it at the end of every episode, but to us, it's yeah, it's really blowing us, blowing our minds that we have more than a couple of people listening. So we hope this one has been useful. Stay tuned for next week. We've got... Uh, a very nice one planned too but we're talking to another psychologist about a different topic, we'll keep this one mysterious so you'll find out when it gets close to the date and we hope you have a, a great week and thanks again for listening thank you very much thank you, bye